First Timothy, First Timothy 4:12. It says this: "Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech and conduct, in love, in faith and in purity." Let me read it one more time. "Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. If you're over the age of 40, don't tune me out, okay? We're still young, all right? Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Lord, bless this word tonight. Open every ear, open every heart to receive of your word. Change us, challenge us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So I I talked about how we've been in this series uh, on the seven churches. And what we're looking at tonight is not much different from what we've been diving into and looking into, because what we're really looking at, and and a lot of it, when you look at it, when you look at the Bible, is that a lot of these, what we call books now, the book of 1 Timothy, uh, that comprises this whole book that we call the Bible, is letters that were written to either churches or to individuals. And in this case, it was a letter that was written to uh, a man by the name of Timothy. And this letter was written by the Apostle Paul. And if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, the Apostle Paul was a devout Jew that the Bible says was going about and he would drag Christians from their home and he would martyr them. In fact, he had government papers that he was officially authorized to go around and murder and martyr Christians. So, If you go and you read in the book of Acts, you'll find that one day Paul has this incredible experience that as he's traveling along the road of Damascus, that he has this incredible experience where Jesus shows up to him and Paul's life is radically changed. And so Paul goes from this Christian murdering man to on fire for the very cause that he was fighting against. And in a moment, in an instant, Jesus shows up in Paul's life and and changes. His name was Saul and changes him from Saul into Paul. And so here we find that Paul has now become one of the apostles of the church. Paul is now one of the leading church planters in his time. Paul is now going from city to city, establishing churches. And he is building the kingdom of God. And so as he goes from town to town, he he comes across a young man by the name of Timothy. Now, Timothy was from a city called Lystra, where Paul had visited on several occasions to preach the gospel. And on one occasion, Paul preached and performed miracles. And listen to this. And the people held them as gods because they would come in and they would lay hands on people and they would pray for people and they would be healed and they would see miracles done. And so the people held them as as Zeus and Hermes. But when they then turned and said, no, we're not Zeus, we're not Hermes, and they began to preach against those gods, they drug Paul outside of the city and they stoned him and they left him for dead. But they didn't know that Paul wasn't dead. Paul does something crazy. He just gets up. How many of you think you would get up if you got stoned? No, probably not. You'd you'd be out. But Paul gets up, and he goes back into the city. If you drug me out of your city and stoned me, I'm not coming back to your city, all right? 
Well, that's a rough part of town. I'm, I'm not going back there. But several years after these events happened, Paul would journey back to Lystra where he would recruit Timothy. So he was on that first missionary journey where Timothy would give his life to Jesus, where Timothy's family would be converted to Christianity. So Paul comes back to this city and, and he, re, he recruits Timothy. Timothy, who was half Jewish, half Greek, but he was raised in the Jewish faith. He had been taught to obey the word of God. After his family gave their lives to Christ, the Bible would tell us that he would go on to be a staple in the community and in the local church. So now that we know a little bit about Timothy, let's talk about why this passage of Scripture is so important. Timothy is a young man, not only in faith, but he's also a young man in age. And so Paul would recruit Timothy. Timothy would begin to travel with Paul all over the world as they planted churches. And we read about in week one of our series on the seven churches about the church of Ephesus. And there arose some problems in the church at Ephesus. And so Paul said, Timothy, I want to take you and I want to send you to this church in Ephesus. And I want you to be the pastor or the overseer there. I need you to set these people straight. And so while he's there, while Timothy is there, he's pastoring this church in Ephesus. He's pastoring the Ephesians people The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 4.12 that Paul wrote him and he said this. He said, look, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. Because you are young in age, because you are a young believer, don't let anybody look down on you. Can I talk to my students for just a moment? Come on, let me talk to the students first tonight because you're about to walk straight into a battlefield this week. You're going to be surrounded just like Timothy was with sin and with rebellion and disrespect and with temptation, but you have the opportunity to make a difference in the world that you live in. You have the opportunity to set an example, to show others what it truly means to live for Christ. And here Timothy is looked down upon because he was in a city where the church at Ephesus was one of the oldest churches. In fact, it had been established probably 15, 20 years before before Timothy even gave his life to Jesus. So here Timothy is walking into this city where he's considered this young Christian and he's having to teach these older Christians how to live their life. And Paul simply writes to him and says, don't be intimidated by them. But you are to set an example in speech, in purity, in life, in the way you live. So Timothy was being looked down upon, and he rolls into the Ephesians church as an outsider sent to set the people straight, and Paul writes him and tells him, don't be intimidated, don't back down. I would tell our young people tonight, don't be intimidated and don't back down in the face of the enemy, in the face of temptation, in the face of sin, don't back down. Man, I would tell students walking onto your campus this week, don't be scared because God goes before you. Man, I love the song that we sang tonight, that he would go before you and behind you and beside you and all around you because he's with you. 
this song, I pray that even as you maybe you're on your way to school, that you just press play on that song and let it play in your ears. That everywhere I go and in everything I do, that I've got a God that goes with me. Don't be intimidated. Don't be scared to be who God has called you to be. Listen, remember what Jesus told his disciples. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, young people, come on. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. Let your light shine before your classmates. Let your light shine before your teachers. Let your light shine at home. Come on, young people. Let your light shine. You're never too young to make an impact. You're never too young to make a difference in the world around you. But it only happens if you let God's love and light shine through you. Because the temptation would be this week, maybe it's easier in the summer, but the temptation would be this week that as you walk in the hallway that you just kind of cover up the light and try to hide and shield what God has called you to do do, and the person that God has called you to become. But I believe that God would be calling you to let your light shine before men. Because Ephesians, when, when, when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said this, For you were once darkness, but you are now in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Young people, as you walk on your elementary schools, as you walk on your middle schools, as you walk on your high schools, if we have anybody going back to college tonight, as you walk on your college campus, I pray that you would be light. Walk as children of light. Timothy was living in a time where truth was perverted and twisted, and he was sent to the Ephesus church to set things straight. The only way things are going to happen was if he lived a life of integrity, sold out to the mission and purpose of Christ. In 2 Kings, it tells of a story. It tells of a story of the second youngest king, whose name was Josiah. And Josiah was eight years old when he was crowned king. I mean, can you imagine this? Just think with me for a second, young people. If somebody came to you and said, you're going to be the president of the United States at eight years old. Do I have any, who's eight in here? Anybody eight, eight year old right here? Eight, eight. They're like, hey, you're going to be right here, Scarlett. You're going to be president of the United States of America. You're going to sit behind this big desk, and you're going to have all these people that you just tell them what to do. And you're going to propose bills to check. I mean, can you imagine that? Can, can, you, can you imagine it, you know, going like, man, that's a lot of weight and responsibility. I was just hoping to, you know, go to recess and play on the playground. I'm more interested about, you know, whether my mom packed me a really good lunch today. You know, did you put in my lunchbox the pudding that I wanted in my lunchbox. Hey, those, those are the decisions. Like you walk through the lunch line and it's do I get pizza or hamburger on the first day of school? Do I spend all the lunch money in my account on that parents? You know what I'm talking about. Am I going to spend all my lunch money? Am I going to get the ice? Those are the type of, and now all of a sudden you're thrust into this leadership position. Because see, I'm sure Josiah was looking around knowing that there were others more qualified. There were others that were stronger and more fit. 
for battle. I'm sure that he had to be looking around and seeing that others were wiser and could lead better than him. Yet, who did God call and anoint? Josiah. He wasn't known for the battles that he won. He wasn't known for the economy that he was turned around. He wasn't known like King Solomon for being the wisest. But what he was known for is leading people to the heart of God. And at eight years old, God began to use him. At eight years old, God began to use him to change a nation. And when he was 16 years old, he looked at the temple and the house of God and the temple at that point was being used as a brothel. That, the temple was being used as a place where people would go and worship foreign gods. And Josiah said, this has to change. It, it would be like if they turned this church into a club. And just every night it was a club. And we would go, you know what? No, we're going to come back and we're going to redeem this house for God. Man, this is not going to be, uh, this isn't going to be that kind of place anymore. This is going to be a place where God's presence lives, where God's presence dwells. And so at 16 years old, he sent them to go start repairing. And when they were repairing, they found this scroll. They found the word of God in the temple and they brought it out and they began to read it to Josiah. And as they read the word of God, Josiah realized something. We've got to make a change. Can I tell a young person, you're never too young to be used. You're never too young to be used. If you're in elementary school and maybe you're in second, third, fourth, fifth, I don't care where you're at, what grade you're at, God can use you right where you're at. Let me read this to you in the New Living Translation, 2 Timothy. Because Timothy was dealing with stresses and pressures of being the person because Paul wrote in this, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of what? Power, love, and self-discipline. God didn't call you to be timid. God didn't call you to be scared or fearful. God didn't call you to walk on your campus in that, but God called you to walk in power, love, and self-discipline. How do you impact people? Power, love, and self-discipline. Because I want y'all to see this. Power is recognizing this, this does not come from yourself. Power has nothing to do with you, but power has everything to do with the God that's inside of you. And this just doesn't apply to young people, but this applies to, to everyone that's gonna walk on your job site tomorrow. How do we impact people? We impact them with the power of the Holy Spirit, realizing it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with the God that works through me. How do we impact people? We impact people with love. And this is how we are identified. Why? Because Jesus said, they'll know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. And so everywhere we go, we should be identified as people of love. And then thirdly, how do we impact people? With self-discipline. Because in a world where all morality has been lost, you will stand out and make a difference when you are willing to take a stand and be different. Come on, young people. Take a stand. Be different. Be full of power, be full of love, and be self, full of self-discipline. Now, parents, can I talk to you for a second? Let me do one more time. Parents, can I talk to you for a second? Yes. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. Parents, you have an important role to play in the life of your kids. We can't just be on coast. 
We can't just be on autopilot when it comes to raising our children. Yeah, we have teachers and administrators in the room today that play an important job to lead them, but it's our job to lead them in a relationship with Christ. That they can be a part of it, but it's your job to lay the foundation. It's your job to train them. It's my job to give my kids a biblical basis that they need. So when they hear something at school that contradicts the word that they have built their foundation on, they know how to come against it. It's my job. It's your job as a parent. And the thing that I love about Timothy is that Paul in the second letter that he would write to him, he would say this. He would say, I remember your genuine faith. He's talking to Timothy. For you share the faith that first filled who? Your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Can I tell you that there was a foundation that was laid by generations before him that when Paul came into town and preached the gospel, Timothy was ready to respond. And can I tell you, mom and dad, it's up to me, it's up to you to begin to lay the foundation that our kids will build their life on and hopefully build a life that glorifies God. And that's what 2 Timothy 1.5 is telling us is that he had a, a grandmother and notice that it's the power of a praying mother. Man, I'm here today because of the power of a praying mother, because of a mom that didn't stop praying, because of a mom that didn't stop caring, because of a mom that didn't stop loving, that mistake after mistake, failure after failure, that my mom would still be on her knees praying for her three boys to give their lives to Jesus. And moms and dads, that's where we have to find our places, on our knees praying for our kids. Timothy became who he was because he had a mother and a grandmother who poured into him. Raising young people that love God doesn't just happen by accident. Raising kids that grow up to serve God just doesn't happen by chance. It happens by intentionality and walking this faith out, listen to me, ourselves. Notice that Paul recognized their faith because it starts with us, mom and dad. We've got to live it. We got to walk it out. If it's not in us, we can't expect it to be in them. Timothy was who he was because he had godly influences, parental figures in his life. In 2 Chronicles, it tells of the first youngest king. I told you about the second youngest king, but it tells about the first youngest king. His name is Joash. And Joash... His father died soon, too soon in the throne, and he was still very young. He had just been born, and the grandmother wanted to usurp the throne and take power of the throne. And so the grandmother, you gotta be, you gotta be crazy, but the grandmother, she began to kill off all of the children that were any heir to the throne and began to take all of their lives one by one And Joash's mom did something that I think is incredible, took Joash and ran to the house of God and hid him away in the house of God. And until he was seven years old, Joash would be raised in the house of the Lord, would be raised around the priest, would be raised around the traditions, would be raised around all of it. And what I'm trying to tell you, mom and dad, is that church and the house of the Lord has to be priority. 
the church and getting our kids plugged in. Youth group is not like a, it's not a maybe. No, it's going to, they're going to be there. Come on, if we'll, if we'll get them to every practice and everything else that they got to be, be at and be to, come on, the most important thing is the house of the Lord. And his mom was one that took him and hid him away in the house of the Lord. And what will always be is Restoration Church is a church that loves us. You saw these young people in the altar. We're always going to push them to encounter the Holy Spirit. Our kids every week are going to encounter God, but it's important that we get our kids in the house. Come on, somebody say amen. Our kids need church. Our kids need corporate encounters in God's presence. They need youth ministry where they're fed. They need children's ministries that enforces the Bible that you are teaching at homes. We must hide our kids in the house of God. Mom and dad, it starts with us. Then as the band comes back, I want to close. But I want to talk to you teachers, administrators. No matter where you, maybe you work in the front office. Maybe you drive a school bus. Wherever you're at, I want to tell you, you have an impact. You make a difference. You have a role to play. Because you can watch not only in this letter, but in other letters that Paul would write to Timothy, that you have a role to play in the lives of your students. Paul was the teacher to Timothy. And Paul would teach Timothy what it looks like to serve God and to love God and to follow God. And he would teach him the standards of the Bible and of the law and what the word of God has to say. And he would train him in these ways. And he raised him up so that he could send him out to be a pastor. And I would say, teachers, administrators, you play an important role in the life of students, that you hold this influential place in their life that they're looking to you and looking up to you and you don't know the difference that you can make simply by doing even the three things that we talked about earlier, walking in a power that's not of yourself, loving every single kid that comes into your classroom and living a different lifestyle. Because whether you like it or not, they're looking at you. They're looking at you as an example. They're looking to you. I promise you, when you begin to walk in love, when you begin to walk in truth, when you begin to walk in power and in self-discipline, you're going to make a difference in these students' lives. I would encourage you to student, steward the influence that has been given with care. Pour into, encourage, care for, love these students. Listen to what Colossians chapter 3 says. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Watch this. As you teach and admonish one another with what? All wisdom. Now it goes on to say through songs and hymns and songs of the Spirit. Some of you teachers, if you tried to sing in your classroom, you might drive people away, but I don't think you have to get in there and, and sing songs and hymns. But what it does say is it says, singing to God with gratitude where? In your heart. Because this is what I know the role of a teacher is hard. I know the role of administrator is hard, right? Day after day, and you're in the classroom. Some kids can be crazy. Maybe you end up with a crazy class one year. And it get, like, I, I understand the challenges that come with being a teacher, with, with being an administrator. But what I know is that 
You're going to teach and admonish with all wisdom if you'll just keep a song of gratitude in your heart. When you walk in it, God, thank you for the opportunity that I get to pour into the next generation. Thank you for the opportunity that I get to pour into these kids. God, I pray today that you would put a child in my path that I could just love on and point to you. And I know that in this day and age, you can't be overtly Christian, and that's okay, but you can kind of go in covertly and with the power and the Spirit of God, just let it move through your life. I'm not telling you to go into your schools and break the rules and buck the system and all that, but what I am telling you is that you carry a spirit, and if you'll go in with that spirit of gratitude in your heart, just singing that song, thank you today that I have the opportunity to pour into and sow into the next generation.